Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra coming up on today's show. How in the hell are the hearts going to get better? <laughs> this is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into ATL Day Ones. You know this face, Tanitra. You know that other face, Jarvis. And you know this face if you check out Locked On Hawks. That's our guy, Brad Roland, who is the aficionado that we asked to drop by today because we are exactly T minus one day to the NBA draft. I can't believe I'm saying that, Brad, because it seems like we literally just wrapped up the season, which, hey, we actually did if you're a Denver Nuggets fan, right? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> for our Hawks fans, the season is actually just now beginning right at the draft space. So let's start there. Landry Fields had his pre-draft press conference on Friday. And one of the questions that we kind of put out there, I put it out there, a couple of other beat writers put it out there, was kind of getting a feel for two things. And one of the questions I asked him was, whether or not he felt like they had a bit of a cheat code as the Hawks because they got to have Quinn Snyder there for 22 regular season games and, of course, uh, three more. That said, he said, yeah, it is kind of a cheat code because you get him in the process because we know he's going to be a part of the evaluation process. You got him early. So that's kind of the part one. And then the part two was, what do you actually plan to do at 15 and 46? (laughs) He tried to lean into we're evaluating talent and we're going to pick whoever we needed 50 and 46. And yes, we need veterans, but yes, we're ready to develop players. Okay, Brad, I think it was <laughs> like Landry, but smoke and mirrors. What do you think they're doing at 15 and 46? Yeah, Landry's very good at saying things without saying anything. And I I, I mean that I mean that in, in complimentary. Funny how that works. It's part it's part it's part of the job, honestly, especially with the draft. Like, you know, no one no, almost no one would come on and say, This is what we're gonna do about the draft, because that's just right. not what anybody's gonna do. So you gotta ask the questions, you gotta give the answers. Uh, you know, I, I think some of what he said was was right. I, I think the Hawks have a pretty wide range they can go with at 15 in particular because of the roster they have. I mean, they have these guys, they have 10 guys who are their top 10 from this last season are still on the team. They're still under contract. And that gives you some freedom. You don't, you don't have to pick a position. You don't have to like prioritize one certain thing because they don't really have a gaping hole. That can also be a little bit um, almost crippling because you can kind of do too many things. You, it's kind of hard to narrow down sometimes if that's the case. But I think there are probably, you know, six, seven, eight guys that could probably take a 15. And part of that, like you guys know, is who's going to still be available. Yes. Um, last year, AJ Griffin fell in their lap. They were not expecting Edge Griffin to still be there when they, when they no. drafted him. He fell to them. They took him gladly. They were really happy about that. But you can't bank on that either. So it's uh, it's kind of like a combination of who's going to still be there and also what their board looks like. And it really could be uh, a lot of different things. You know, that's a good that's a good point. I want to just follow up on that because one of the things that that's exactly what Landry said, Brad. I mean, literally, that they have the flexibility and the freedom to be able to pretty much draft whoever they want because they're not desperate, so to speak, from that draft class or from the perspective of what the 10-man roster looks like on route to 14-man roster. But that said, I kind of feel like, no, you are desperate because <laughs> this is the second year in a row that you're going into the playing round and with the roster that you have and where you are as far as a salary cap and you know, how many salaries you're tied into, you, you kind of are desperate because you shouldn't be tied into that many salaries and end up exiting the first round that you only got to by virtue of a heat team that seemingly overlooked you. 
So I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, you kind of maybe are a little bit more desperate, but I also hear what you're saying and I hear what Landry's saying as well. So. Yeah. I, I think part of that is, is it the draft is a different entity than like, for me, I always want to stress, you know, fans think about whoever they draft is going to like plug in for this year and be good right away. But yes. most of the time, especially if you're drafting 15, that guy's not going to be a, a key, key piece for you in year no. one. You're drafting for the for year two or year three, year four. I agree with you generally, though. Like they should be not. I mean, desperation is like kind of a tough one, but <laughs> I'm sure they wouldn't. I'm sure they wouldn't agree with that. But I, no. think, I, think, I think you're right. I think you're right, though, like given how much money they've spent, given that Tony wrestler has been very uh, hands-on and wants to win and they don't, they're not satisfied with the way the, the last two years have gone. So I do think that it's good to have all your guys under contract, but it's also a little bit limiting in that they want to be a lot better than they've been. And if you just kind of just run it back, that's not going to go over very well. Like when you just look at the last two years and the wow, that's gone. So I agree with you, generally speaking, it's just that draft is kind of that weird in-between space where you don't want to be drafting to make yourself better now. It's really about the future, whereas everything else around you, your trades, your free agency, that kind of stuff is to kind of build the team now. And, and I think you, you, I like the word that you use satisfaction, right? Because I feel like I won't be satisfied if the Hawks actually make the pick because Here's the thing. I, I really feel like they are in a space where there's ha- they're going to have to move. The, some pieces going to have to be moved off this roster in, in order for them to kind of, I guess, stay up under the luxury tax and and, and, and not be wearing an apron. You know, I love I love that term. <laughs> I know, like, I nobody so knows cool. what it means. You know, it's like there's a threshold and that's what they decided to call it. I don't know why they call it, decided to call it an apron, but, you know, hey, you know, it is what it is. But I think that, you know. For me, though, I, w- I would like to know from you is, do you feel like the the Hawks brass, Nick Wrestler, Landry Fields, and whoever is out here running this team, and and, um, and Tony Wrestler, do you and feel Kyle that Corver. they were? Yeah. <laughs> and Kyle Corver as well. Do you <laughs> feel like, and we we've now moved Quinn Snyder because you know he said he has no you know no no uh, uh personnel you know uh, situation going on. So we that's another thing, but we'll get to that in a second. But I, my question is, do you feel like they the Hawks brass will be satisfied if they're able to somehow figure out a way to get rid of one of these contracts that they know they have to get rid of? And then, you know, be able to bring back some type of, you know, bench rotational type talent and, and not make this pick on, on, on tomorrow. Yeah, I think that that's one of the scenarios for sure is that I think it's not a secret. The Hawks are more expensive, expensive than, than they want to be. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of like you shouldn't be if you're a fan, you shouldn't be OK with that. Like you should want them to spend. Like, I, yeah, I, it's always funny to me when fans are like, well, they have to get on the ledger. I'm like, why? Why do they have to get on the ledger? So anyway, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, they could use this pick to make their life a little bit easier cutting salary. Because, look, it's really it's really hard. it's not impossible, but it's really hard to make your team better while also getting cheaper. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, it's, it's, course, it's a yeah. really, really hard needle to Finally. thread. <laughs> and when what we just said, they're, they're desperate to get better. When you're des- desperate to get better and you are desperate to get cheaper, like that's really, really hard. And one of the ways to do that, if they want to kind of do that, is to use your draft picks to entice other teams to help you get cheaper while also not making your team worse. So obviously when we say that, we're talking about guys like John Collins, like Capella maybe. Those guys are making real money. And while they're still good players, they have, you know, Collins has been on the block forever. You guys know that. Capella's got a Kongu behind them. Those are the two obvious names to kind of get moved if they want to get cheaper and change the roster. They could make bigger changes too, but yeah, 15 should be very available. Honestly, like 
it, uh, they, they kind of need that pick to stay cheap because first round picks are actually cheap and that's part yeah. of the appeal of them. AJ right. Griffin's going to be signed for very little money for the next three years after this. That, there's a lot of value to that, right. but they also have value in the league if you want to make a big trade to improve your team now. So it's that, again, that's that fine line you have to walk in. The only person that can really, really answer the question, you name, you name a lot of people there. Tony Russell is the one that really makes that call, to be honest. Um, they have all these front office people. Landry's the GM, Nick, Kyle, et cetera, Quinn. But Tony, it, I think even more than a lot of owners, is very hands-on, and he's going to be the one that makes the final call. And that a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's the one who cut the check. Yeah, and I, I think that that's, you know, at the at the end of the day, that, that makes all the sense in the world, right? Because if you're a guy, obviously, you, I feel like you hired basketball people to do basketball things. But ultimately, those guys got to be able to present their case and say, hey, here's why this is going to work. Here's um, who's who's going to be involved that needs to make it work. And, like, we should go this route. Now, it's, ultimately, it's, that's up to Tony Wrestler, but I, I wholeheartedly feel that, Tony will, if it makes sense for him, I think that he'll, you know, he'll he'll go along with whatever um, um, uh, Landry, Landry Fields comes up with. But I, I think that, and I'm glad you brought up John Collins because here's the thing: like we say, he's been in those rumors ever since he signed that contract, which is so weird to me. Like how you <laughs> sign an extension, and then you the trade rumors start to go up seemingly. But um, do you and Tanisha and I have talked about on our show as far as you know. Um, John Collins and DeAndre Hunter potentially not being on this roster next year. Let me ask you, do you feel like that's the case? Do you feel like John Collins is going to finally be traded? And do you feel like DeAndre Hunter is in a lot more conversation than he probably needs to be? Yeah, as far as Collins, I'm not going to make the mistake of saying he's definitely going to get traded because people have done that before. And I have never, I've never quite gone there. There were times where I was like, okay, it's probably going to happen. I think probably, but not definitely, is where I'll say about, about about Collins because it all comes down to how urgently they want to trade him. To this point, he's been available. They've kind of wanted to trade him, but they weren't willing to take that next step to be like, okay, we're doing this no matter what. Like They've not gotten to that point. They've, they've still been asking for a lot for him at different times, and they've held back. If this is the summer where they're like, okay, now it's we're really doing this now. They can trade mm-hmm. him. I have no doubt about that. They can get rid of him if they want to. Um, that's separate from my opinion. I think John is better than people. Most people think that he is, but it is what it is. Uh, He's very available. Hunter is the one that honestly, I will fully admit. I don't really know. It's it's, it's tough for me to say that, but because um, he was very highly regarded by the previous front office, you know, Travis traded up for him. He was certainly someone who I think was not like on the level of Trey when it comes to being unavailable, but the Hawks did not want to trade DeAndre Hunter. Now he's been paid. He's making a bunch of money moving forward, and Travis isn't here anymore. And I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a read just yet on how Landry and Kyle and Quinn feel about DeAndre Hunter, um, which leaves a lot of uncertainty for me. Like on one hand, you have AJ behind him, you have Sadiq Bay, you have even Jalen maybe playing some three in the future. You could be, you could be willing to move off of DeAndre Hunter. On the other, he's still probably your best perimeter defender right now. He's a guy you just paid. To your point about Collins, like you just paid Hunter a year ago too. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's conflicting stuff there. So uh, the way that I've been saying is I'm pretty sure that, that at least one of Collins and Capella is not, is going to get moved. I'll be surprised if they're both still on the team in a month. Mm-hmm. Hunter is the real question mark for me because it, it really depends on how this group feels about him. And we haven't had a, really a chance to kind of see in a transactional way how Quinn and them feel because when he was extended, it was still Travis. 
Travis was yeah. still here. And now yeah. that was the last time, like the last like pivot point we, we saw with DeAndre. And now it's a different group. So I'm not sure how they feel about it. We will continue with Brad Rowland of Locked On Hawks. But first, got to tell you that today's episode of ATL Day Ones is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Baseball season is in full swing and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. You guys have been rocking with ATL Day Ones for a long time and really appreciate you for that. Here's my only ask now. I'm going to ask you that you go over to FanDuel Sportsbook because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Yes, $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today also you know you guys are bet the Braves are super hot right now they are on a heck of a win streak so if you want to win some money go check out the Atlanta Braves and see what they have right there just for you so don't miss your chance to snag a snow sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up FanDuel official partner of Major League Baseball yeah, and you have those three positions that really and truly all three need to be upgraded, if we're being honest. And the individuals who are right behind DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and Clint Capella aren't necessarily the upgrade that you need now. Not to say that, like you said, A.J. Griffin, Jalen Johnson, or even a Sadiq Bey won't be that because we've seen situations where Quinn Snyder, everyone from a Donovan Mitchell all the way up to a Royce O'Neal, where he's taken talent and he's helped them to evolve into something that before him, maybe you wouldn't have thought that talent could be. That said, what I kind of want to do for the next couple of questions, Brad, is treat this conversation like a couple things are true, even if they're not true. <laughs> a couple things are true, at least as we know them today. Number one is let's assume that Tony Ressler is finally okay with going over the luxury tax. He sees the apron window at 117, I think it is, and says, yeah, okay, fine. And he sees the, you know, the next tier of apron as well. And he's okay with that because he knows, hey, I've got to get two world beaters. Let me just set this up before I ask my question. The reason I say two world beaters is because, okay, Brad, go back two seasons. And they thought they were okay because, hey, this team took us to the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, guess what? That non-move cost you big time, right? You ended up in the play-in round. Okay, so the next season you go and make one move to get a world beater in DeJounte Murray. That wasn't enough because guess where you landed? In the play-in round, again, you won one more game in the first round, but that really doesn't count because you still exited. So now you're at the point, especially when you look at some of the templates, not the Nuggets template, but some of the other templates that get you there, and it's that true like big three, maybe even a big four. Here's what I'm teeing up because I want to go and I'm going to keep going at all three, four, and five, right? I like the possibility of moving. I think one of the things I put into um, Jarvis and I had to do a stream earlier uh, this month, and it was putting DeAndre Ayton in a situation where he could come here. We move Clint Capella. You take the two draft picks. If that's what you got to take, just do whatever you got to do because that's probably the guy you're going to get unless you get, and forgive me for forgetting his name, the center in Seattle. reason I bring it up again here, Brad, is because of the blockbuster deal that is on the table for the Suns where Booker, Durant, and Beal are going to be your big three in Phoenix. I think Aiton's going to be the odd man out. So what is it, first of all, do you feel like he's viable for the Hawks? And second of all, what do you feel would be the thing that the Hawks have to do to get him here, whether that's a two-team situation or a three-team where some of the 
sources have said you might have to bring in a team like the Pacers and possibly mix a Miles Turner in. Yeah, it's interesting because Phoenix is going to be spending so much money on those three guys, um, and they don't seem to care about that. But as far as like logistics are concerned, you know, Aiton makes a good chunk of money too. And I think that if you're a Phoenix, you kind of need a center. Like you can't just trade uh, Aiton and not have a center back. So maybe it's just that they get they get Clint under this scenario. Um, and he, he's probably more of what they need, honestly. Clint doesn't need the ball. They have these three guys who all need the ball now, and it's not a Phoenix podcast, but like they, Clint kind of checks those boxes. Like he's a very low maintenance person. So maybe that's what it is. You, you get you send Clint to Phoenix, you bring in DeAndre Ayton. I'm kind of mixed on Ayton. I'm not as high as, as some, but he is young. He is very talented. I think he's going to be probably better in his next stop when he's been in Phoenix, just because of the logistics around that. Maybe that maybe that'll be Atlanta, and that's a it's a bigger swing for sure. I also think that. Um, while this probably isn't the reason why you're bringing it up, I think Aiton being a little bit more versatile on offense might let you do a couple different things. Even like what you said for a second, you, you could keep you could keep Collins under that scenario. It's a little bit easier to do that. I'm not saying that's that's why you ask. I don't think it is. But part of the part of the issue with Collins and Capella is the lack of versatility from Capella. You're kind of making Collins into this floor spacer that he's really not. So. Anyway, long story short, I think eight would be a good kind of maybe buy low right now. I think his 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 value right now is kind of at a low, at a low point where I think it's probably going to go up. I don't like love DeAndre Ayton, but if you want to make a big change, that wouldn't be the worst way to do it because he kind of fits your timeline. He's not thirty; he's whatever he's twenty four years old. Yep. So if you think you can kind of re- rehabilitate him in a little bit, have Quinn Snyder kind of you know up his value a little bit, that might make some sense. Oh no, Brad, you're dead on. It was that the fact that he's at his low point where you might be able to get him cheaper than you would have last season or even two seasons ago. And listen to this stat that I saw. I thought this was two stats that are crazy. Of course, the free throw stat, because he shoots at 76% a clip. Okay, Capella, CC's at 53%. But to me, it was the the three-pointer. Clint is 0 for 4. He's only taken four <laughs> yeah. free throw, three-point attempts in his entire career, at least in Aiton. While 25% is not a whole heck of a lot, it at least tells you that to your point of spacing the floor and having a big man that's not afraid to kind of go out to the perimeter with a little bit of help from the likes of a Kyle Korver, maybe you can get that out of him. So, no, you were going right up my alley in both those directions. Yeah, I think I think those one of the things that, you know, <laughs> it's gonna have to be very interesting because, like, with the even with the the trade for Bradley Beal, I want to kind of bring this up because I I came across a tweet, um, Brad, that I thought was very interesting. Right, they were talking about how there are gonna be some teams who are gonna make some pretty much essentially some dumb moves in this offseason because everybody's trying to be, become contenders, so it's gonna be a lot of movement. And I saw you kind of kind of agree that Atlanta <laughs> might be in that space. So, what deal or what trade? If the Hawks were to make the make that particular trade, make a trade that you would look at and you say, you know what, they might end up regretting this one. Yeah, I mean, the, way, the reason I said that is like what we talked about earlier. It's if you get in a situation where, and I don't know this to be true, but if you're mandated to cut money, you can be in a situation where you're desperate, and that's when you make make mistakes. Not that like there's going to be a, a single move that submarines your franchise like you're not gonna let's say you trade john collins for a not great return that's not gonna just kill you john's not the kind of guy that's gonna be a a, something become a top 20 player in the league and really embarrass you like that he's really good i think but he's not gonna it's not gonna be like an all-time blunder but if you if you're again well more than willing and maybe eager to cut salary like you're prone to a mistake because that becomes the goal versus making your team better and I think generally desperation is not where you want to be. I mean, that's, and there's, there's rumblings around the league. I don't know if this is true, but some teams view like the Hawks are like kind of a mess. 
like over the last mm. six months to a year. And maybe that's different with Quinn Snyder in, in, in place now. Quinn is certainly a stabilizing factor, but that's been the rep of the Hawks around the league is like that team's kind of a dysfunctional mess right now. So why don't we just like try to pick them apart? That's not where you want to be, man. You, you don't, you don't want to be yeah. a situation where like you're the team that, te- that organizations are targeting in trades. So maybe that changes now. But that's kind of where my my guards up a little bit because of these conflicting incentives. Um, it's kind of you can be prone to making a mistake, and not that the Murray trade was a mistake, but I think they overpaid for Dejounte Murray, mm-hmm. um, just asset wise. Slank. Slank's yeah. also too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so exactly. So it's one that, that's a that's a semi recent example where like I think the Spurs kind of knew they had them over a barrel, and the Hawks were kind of. Um, again, I don't want to over, I don't overuse the word desperate, but they were kind of eager to make that trade, and that kind of led them to overpaying by a little bit. And that's that's a spot where you don't want to be. You you want to have the leverage, not have it, not be facing a team that has leverage over you. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would I, agree. Yeah, yeah, that, that that yeah, that is. And then <laughs> given how this is a, a young front office too, or inexperienced front office as well, yeah. so of course teams going to going to give you a call because they think they can take advantage of that. And real quick. Um, Brad, we didn't get a chance to talk to you, you know, after the changes were made to go over to Quinn Snyder. I'm just curious as to what you feel your assessment of Quinn Snyder in those in that small sample size of games that we got a chance to um, take a look at as far as how he was dealing with the team. I love I love that hire, number one. I think that was a great move. Uh, it was a little bit odd the way it all came down. Like, you don't usually see a guy get hired like that in February. Yeah. But credit to them. I think Tanitra even asked about it when that in that press conference on Friday, like it was intentional. It seems like they wanted that extra time to have him in the building. Mm-hmm. Also, sneakily, if they if they knew and maybe they had anticipated this, like a quarter of the league had openings in right. April and May. Yes. I'm not sure they would have got Quinn Snyder. I think Quinn mm-hmm. might have been going somewhere else, and they, he wasn't already <laughs> yes. in the building. So I'm not sure that's the case. But it's definitely yeah. you're not battling with everybody else if you go ahead and do that now. But anyway, I like the deal when it happened. I think he put his stamp on the team a little bit. It's hard, and I was trying to warn people a little bit about this. Like, he can't. Nobody can come in and bring their whole system with them in the middle of a season. Like, he's going to need a training camp and an off season to kind of put everything in. But offensively, in particular, you kind of saw what he was capable of doing with this group. Um, and it's it's a little bit better paced. It's more three, all that stuff. And I, I think it, it fits what they do a little bit better. I think, especially with the backcourt they have. So, uh, you know, in short, I, I like the move. I think he's a good coach. It's kind of he's proven to be that. And uh, it gives them a little bit of a fresh start in a way that if they can't do a major overhaul, you can at least sell it to yourself and to the fans. Like, hey, by the way, this coach is going to fix the stuff that was the problem already with this roster. Um, that may not all, may not be true all the way around. Like, he's only one guy. Coaches can't fix everything in the NBA. It's still a player's league, but he can do some stuff to unlock them. And I'll wrap with two questions that are kind of rapid fire. So the first question from a free agency perspective, the second from a draft free agency perspective, assuming that moving parts are what they are. Right. And when the dust settles, who potentially is the odd man out, meaning, wow, he's out of here and we can't believe that because of all the potential. Is that an A.J. Griffin? Is that a Jalen Johnson or is that an Onyeka Okongu? So that's part one, Brad. And then part two is if the Hawks happen to keep 15 and or 46, where do they go? Yeah, I mean, the three young guys is tough because, like, yeah. I, I think that if I had to choose one of them to not be here long term, and that's hard because I think they probably will all be here if I had to guess. Probably Jalen, but only because, like, I think AJ is number one. They, they love AJ. They just drafted him. He's, I think he's yeah. going to be a guy they build around. And Onyeka, 
I think it's more likely they move on from Clint and kind of go to Onyeka than it is the other way around. So I'll choose Jalen, even though I think they like Jalen too, and they should. He's a really talented player. Um, after 15 and 46, I mean, it's tough to like pick one guy at 15, but if I had to pick one guy, I think Kaysen Wallace is the one that I probably would pick from mm, Kentucky. Okay. He's been mocked there a lot recently. Yeah. I think he fixes some stuff for them. Not Again, not immediate, you don't want to overset the immediate fix because he's a rookie, but perimeter defense is a huge need for this team. So um, between that and, and the pedigree there, I'll go with him. And 46 is like, I have, I have no idea what's going to happen. Right. I, mean, just, yeah. I, I have a, I have a list. I have a right. list of guys, but even, even last year, the Hawks made the pick uh, on Tyree smart, right. But they yeah. traded down to, they traded down before that. So like that, mm-hmm. that's like the wild, wild West in, in that range of the second round, mm-hmm. You'll, there'll be 10 trades in that range. And I have right. no idea. So 15 more confidence, 46 is, I do, I do think though, they they're gonna want to sign. They're gonna want to draft somebody there mm-hmm. to have another cheap contributor. So like, go. Yeah. I don't know who that guy's gonna be, but they. I think I think they will probably make a pick in the second round just to kind of get down their books. Yeah, that's a great point. And yeah, it's interesting because if we're talking NFL, that second round is like, woo, yeah. it's just it's almost mm-hmm. as valuable as the first round. We talk about mm-hmm. the NBA. Everybody's like, there's a second round. So <laughs> but yeah, no, I hear what you're saying, and I think I would agree with you as well that it would be best if all three of those players can be retained, but if you have to retain one that can actually evolve into what centers look like in this current NBA, it would be double O. So thank you so much, Brad, for stopping by guys. If you want all the deets, especially as we creep up to draft and free agency, please check out locked on Hawks with Brad Roland every dayers. He should be your everyday or as well. Stop. But also, of course, ATL Day 1s always stop by. And let us know what you guys think. Like, we're very intrigued to hear what you think. Do you think that those three young, fresh, talented guys are going to be retained? Double O, JJ, AJ. What are the, the Hawks going to do? Is this finally the time where we're going to say, okay, bye to number 20? And <laughs> what are the Hawks going to do? Is it going to be big splash time in free agency? So don't forget, Wherever you download your podcast, that's where you should download ATL Day Ones and Locked On Hawks and check us out on YouTube as well and drop a comment. We'll see you next time.